All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's Theology on Mission podcast with the great Dr. Mm. Mike Bohr. Thank you for that. Dave Fitch as your other host. We're here in the conference room of Northern <laughs> Seminary. It's Theology on Mission podcast, the place where we do the questions of theology for culture and mission. All right. You know what? This was a week ago, maybe? Mm-hmm. Last week? Maybe two weeks ago on Facebook. You can get a hold of me on Facebook by backslash Fitchest on Facebook, and you can find the conversations that we often talk about on this podcast right there, and just follow me and everything will be cool. But about two or three weeks ago, I started to, I just made a comment about the Tim Keller Center, the new Tim Keller Center for Cultural Apologetics. Where's that located? What do you mean, where's it located? Is it, I don't honestly know. Is it part of a institution? Oh, oh, it it is. um, Dude. Unprepared. <laughs> here, here, I'll look it up. I'll like, I'll okay, look it, up. look it up while we're while I fill in here. But anyways, I said something about the uh, Tim Keller Center for Cultural Apologetics. Its its goal is to engage, to recraft hmm. apologetics for a post Christendom world, which actually I find pretty interesting. I find pretty enticing. I actually could get behind that. Yeah. But I question whether apologetics was the route to go, and I. I postured embodied witness over against what apologetics does. Mm. And you got a little upset, Mike Moore. Come I was, on. I was super you upset. You took the yeah. gloves off, dude. <laughs> yeah, here my comment is. Oh, huh. I got some likes. I got some likes on my comment. How, how I many came likes back, if I could uh, be supportive? I think about two, two. 14. 14. Okay, that's still kind it's of... Not, it's not the 177 <laughs> that you got. <laughs> Who's comparing? Okay. But anyways, uh, so we thought we'd talk a little bit about Tim Keller Center for Cultural Apologetics. First of all, I just want to say, I mean, I'm not doing this because it's kind of obligatory, but I'm saying, you know, we do love and respect Tim Keller and for all yeah. his work for the kingdom. You know, we have differences. And anytime he does something, we have to comment on it. No, it's not true. <laughs> it's so not true. But we do have differences. And, you know, uh... Tim Keller is, I would, uh, he, he would own this. He would say he's reformed in his uh-huh. theology. Yeah. He would also say he's Kuyperian. Uh-huh. And I am holiness slash I'm dare I say Pentecostal. Oh. And Anabaptist or Neo Anabaptist. I mean, that puts Keller and I in different camps, quite contrasting camps. Mm-hmm. I would say maybe both of us might own to some degree a heritage in evangelicalism. Yes. To the extent we can still call ourselves that, there's that. Okay. So here we are, Keller versus Fitch. So anyways, now let's just talk a little bit about this, because I want to hear a little bit more about what your beef with Fitch is, because frankly, I'm, I'm always interested in what your beef with Fitch is. I'm interested uh-huh. when anyone has a beef with Fitch. In fact, I was just in, in Greg Armstrong's office. He has some beef. I was just saying, I, I handed him the sixth chapter of my book on power, and I says, can you look through this quickly and, and tell me what your beefs are? Uh, because I'd like to know, what is your beef with Fitch? So I want to start out by saying, um, uh, what was the tweet? Oh, it, it, it was this. Uh, apologetics, as traditionally conceived, is not a strategy is not a strategy to engage an already 
post-Christendom culture, embodied witness is. Okay, so that was the, the beef. Mm-hmm. That was my beef. Yeah. Um, we're we're, ta- we're talking a lot about beef in this podcast. So I hope you name. I hope you use this. Yeah. This Make me hungry. Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, when I say apologetics as traditionally conceived, I'm yes. thinking apologetics as it once was within the tradition of evangelicalism, not say in the first 300 years or 200 years of the mm-hmm. churches and, and the ancient patristics understandings of apologetics. I'm talking Josh McDowell. And yeah. I know, I know you, Mike Moore, you've been highly influenced by Josh McDowell, yes. evidence that demands a verdict. I, I think you went forward a couple of times, at least 10 times. You have Josh to. McDowell. Every time you sin, you got to go, go forward. So. Uh, exactly. And then there's Lee Strobel's Case for Christianity. Lee Strobel was at the time. At case Willow for faith, Creek. a case for Christ. Right. And, and, and you didn't have uh, uh, altar calls at Willow Creek. Uh, <laughs> you, you just had offering <laughs> plates. And, well, no, I'm just kidding. Bazing. <laughs> but anyways, traditionally conceived, those books were written to convince people um, outside the church mm-hmm. of the case for Christianity. And, and they were, by the way, I mean influential, but I think mostly influential for building up the faith of already existing Christians. So do you have a beef with that, Mike Moore? I'm saying traditionally evangelical apologetics was meant to get people outside the faith in, into the faith, whereas I'm saying, no, actually, it, was, uh, it didn't work that way. So you're saying that the style of traditional apologetics, i.e. evangelicalism in the last 50 years, it didn't work? Um. This is just one of those strategies that didn't work. Yeah. But yeah. I would contend that it did work for some people. You're con- you were cont- <clears throat> Excuse me. <laughs> I'm, I'm throwing off my game. I, just, I, did, I made him choke. Uh, he stunned me. Uh, you would contend it did work? Surely some people submitted and surrendered their life to Jesus and the movement of his kingdom through tr- traditional apologetics. Somebody had a conversation with somebody else on a sidewalk somewhere. All right. I'm going to ask you a personal question. Okay. Let's get personal. Do you know somebody who ever did? Um, Just one. Just one person. Well, you have to remember, I'm not as old as you, so Uh I haven't been around as much. Uh, Folks, he is quite a bit younger and has a lot more hair. Okay. So when I was doing campus ministry, and this is a campus ministry thing, I, I do know of, I can think of, two students who like cafeteria evangelism came into the faith and it was initiated through a conversation and obviously there was some embodied witness on the back end but the front door the beginning of their conversion into faith was through more traditional apologetics more traditional evangelical apologetics yes yes I believe, by the way, the word apologetics in the first two centuries, don't have my references available, but some of the early patristics, Tertullian, others, saw apologetics as the building up of one's faith, already existing faith, mm-hmm. yet being challenged by culture and its various challenges. So the task of apologetics was internal to the Christian faith, not a mode of evangelism. But you're arguing that it was. Well, wow. I mean... Can I tell you? Can I tell you my beef? Well, I thought that was your beef. No, no, I got some more beef. 
Okay, hit me with I more cut beef. you off, but I got more beef. Hit me more beef. Okay, so we were talking about this last week, actually, in our community groups here in Northern. Um, the topic of, of conversation was evangelism. And I was asking people their experience of evangelism. And a lot of people have similar experiences that I had. Hey, when I was 12 or 13, I was given a track. I was told to go to the mall, walk around, and get somebody converted. It didn't go very well. I get that. Didn't go well for me either. However, I think what's happened now is now we have recoiled to the other side where anytime somebody mentions apologetics or evangelism, we get allergic and and we just want to hands off and we say, hey, preach the gospel. And if necessary, use words. You know, We're, we're on the other side now where Nobody wants to have a conversation about any difference. We just want to let bygones be bygones. We want, we want to accept people as they are, and we don't want to engage in any kind of evangelism that requires some kind of verbal exchange or discourse. I am 100%. Okay, well, hey, we have no beef. In agreement with you. We have no beef. 100%. And, and it was the innate coercion, the coercion innate to those old forms of evangelism that mm-hmm. that created the turnoff. I'm now turned off. And not only am I turned off from evangelism, people who I tried to evangelize are turned off. Okay. Jesus. All because we used coercion. Do you remember that guy, Kirk Cameron, who, who would say, yeah, I'm going to convince stuff. you you're going to hell and I, you're a sinner. Uh-huh. And he's, and he's teach and on his videos, he'd say, I'm, I'm going to teach you how to convince somebody they're going to hell so that yeah. you can say, it. so basically you have to work really hard to first convince people that they need salvation. And then after you finally did all that work, yeah, boom, you can get you can offer them the solution. It's like saying, I'm going to, I'm going to shoot out, I'm going to flat, I'm going to some bullets in your tires, you're going to have a flat tire, and then I'm going to come by and save you by by changing your tires. And I'm and I expect you <laughs> to be grateful. Is that a great metaphor? <laughs> That's an amazing metaphor. Yeah. I'm going to put nails on your driveway so your tires uh, go down, and then I'm going to come and be your savior. Well, yeah, that's not good. Well, I I think that this is kind of what happened, um, you know, when Billy Graham— We're getting off the topic here, pal. No, no, no. These are on my notes. I don't know about your notes, but we're following my notes right now. (laughs) We're right on target. Okay. Uh, By the way, I suggest we do a podcast on evangelism because— I've just written a sixth chapter for my book on power and have sh- tried to show how the old power techniques of evangelism, using what I'll call worldly power, coercion, guilt, manipulation, backfired to what Mike Moore calls the great reverb. We don't want to talk about evangelism at all. And that was never meant to be the way mm-hmm. of the gospel and evangelism. And we can reconfigure that entirely to make it a work of God's power. Yeah. Not our own. Okay, so tell me then, what's the place of apologetics? Where are we at? Well, where we're at is the cult. In my opinion, the culture has so drastically changed that apologetics, as traditionally conceived within evangelicalism, makes no sense anymore. Because now, we're postlinguistic. Because we are basically in a world where there is no singular rationality. Mm-hmm. There is no hegemonic epistemology. There is no ways of thinking about things that uh, is monolithic and across one culture. 
And so we can't reason. We got to go actually listen. It's like, okay, so let me, you, you talked about these two students at Loyola mm-hmm. who talked about their faith through apologetics and it made sense and someone came to Christ, which praise the Lord, I'm always grateful for. Mm-hmm. Uh, but on the other hand, my, my, my suspicion is that it was their lives and the way they talked that drew the person in. Sure. And then when they had questions, they probably came from similar backgrounds and they were able to make sense out of their faith yeah. through apologetics. That's a worthy cause. Yeah, but when is apologetics not being done by a person in relationship with another person? It's always it. an extension. Well, yeah, if you're on like an internet forum or if you just pick up a pamphlet on the ground, but if it's being communicated by somebody, the apologetics are embodied in a relationship with somebody. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, I think you're splitting uh, hairs. I think, no. I think you're unnecessarily splitting I hairs. I think you're agreeing with me already. I we think... haven't even got through half this path. <laughs> it's fine with me. We can do two <laughs> parts. We can do two parts. I, I knew this was going to be long. I knew this was going to be long. <laughs> okay. Uh, let me pose another question to you, Mike. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we train people yeah. at a center for apologetics, mm-hmm. uh, we train them to think about questions before they've been asked. Mm-hmm. We presume sure. to know the questions before they've been asked. Oh, we're going to try, we're going to prove this and we're going to show how this makes sense. And we're going to do it before anybody's even asked. So what is that? Yeah. How does that, how does that shape our posture for the way we go and sit? Well, yeah, that's listen. not a good posture. I mean, that, that presumes that you have answers before you've even listened or asked questions. Another reason not to have a center well, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I, I'm not going to the center. I don't know what they're doing there. So, are you getting a little defensive? <laughs> no, I, I'm just, I'm just provoking a little bit. I, I think you're assuming what's happening at the center there. I don't know if that's what's happening there. All right. Well, let's get back to the Keller, Keller Center. One thing I did appreciate about the Keller Center is its reason for being is that we are grappling with questions and issues of culture in a culture that's no longer Christendom. So Mm -hmm. it's actually in the way they introduce the center uh, to engage the cultures of post-Christendom, as opposed to, I assume, Uh what used to be apologetics, which assumed Christendom. Now, I can get behind that. Yeah. I just don't know. Maybe get rid of the word apologetics. So if it was the Keller Center for... Embodied witness. Ooh. If you're listening, bro, my bro, I call Tim Keller my bro. If you're listening, my bro, and you want to use it, no credit needed. (laughs) Just think about it. Center for Embodied Witness. Oh, do we need that? Do we need? Has there ever been a time when we have needed Christians to go out and embody who Jesus is in all the places of hurt, pain, brokenness, injustice, and people will get saved. Yes. So for you, it's not necessarily apologetics. It's the posture that comes in with the assumptions around apologetics. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, so, um, I got three things 
Okay. Uh, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, announcing, I have a new uh, Substack. Uh, it's called Fitch's Provocations. You can subscribe for free. I write about twice to three times a month on all things culture. Anyways, in there, I have three things which I want to question okay. about apologetics and the Tim Keller Center for Apologetics. And by the way, if, if the Tim Keller Center is listening, feel free to take all these suggestions for free. <laughs> no credit needed. My first beef mm -hmm. is, in its language, the center talks about culture as if it is a singular monolith. They talk about culture in their promos. Uh, and by the way, this includes Tim Keller talking about the Center mm -hmm. for Cultural Apologetics as culture, capital C, singular. And I, folks, and anybody who's studied with us here in the MA Theology and Mission or the Doctorate in Contextual Theology knows that I don't think we can assume culture with a big C yeah. in the West. We've morphed into a host of cultures, mm -hmm. little c, plural. And this means you actually have to go be present to a specific local culture. Go yeah. to these places where people are, where they speak certain languages, where they have conversations, where then we learn what the questions are. And in fact, we learn where the pain is and out of this pain connect of this hurt connect yeah <laughs> reach the gospel jesus is lord he's working in and through all things to heal restore reconcile forgive are you interested come mm -hmm. on into the kingdom you see what i'm saying mm -hmm. let's get rid of the big c culture i'm i'm jamming on that yes go to small c cultures yes Fair. changes the way we enter into culture. Yeah, it's a, it changes the way that we do evangelism too. Okay, check one, ladies and gentlemen. Mm -hmm. Mike Moore agrees with Fitch on the I first do. point. Okay, the second point was we've already <laughs> discussed, posture. Yes. And I worry about the posture of apologies. Yes. I love, I love, Stanley Howard, Weston, you're listening. I love you, man. He <laughs> says in his book, Approaching the End, he wrote this chapter on witness with Charles Pinches, one of his more renowned PhD students from Duke, I don't know how many years ago, probably 30. Yeah. But anyways, he suggests, quote, the story when told in witness does not end all arguments. It opens space for them to appear, maybe for the first time. Oh, mm -hmm. now we've got not just Fitch versus Mike Moore, we got Hauerwas oh, himself yeah. versus... The, the, this is how apologetics works. You, you start bringing in other people who aren't in the conversation <laughs> to bolster your point. Classic you apologetic move. <laughs> he, says, he says, when we enter into someone's presence and we tell the story, it opens up space for the arguments to appear, not for them to end. Mm-hmm. Because now we have to sort out our lives all over again when we are confronted with the person and the work of Jesus Christ and all God is doing to yeah. heal the world. It disrupts our lives so much that we have to figure out how to live by the Holy Spirit together all over. So, there's, so the learning has just begun. The arguments have just begun. They haven't ended. And so for all that, 
for all those reasons, you got to have a posture of openness to what the Holy Spirit's doing. Yeah, I agree. Another person's like, wait, did you say I agree? I do. I do agree with the posture part. Okay, check number two. Absolutely. I've been on the receiving end of apologetics before. And when people are unwilling to listen. Were they reformed? You know what? How much time we got? Because this, act this actually happened to me yesterday. We got a lot of time. <laughs> I, was going, I was going for a run uh, yesterday afternoon after. Wait, are you going to throw a person under the bus? Because no, I'm not. Change the name, change the circumstances. No, no it's not even. A, no, no. Yeah, you won't know. I was, I, I was going for a run on the west side of Chicago through uh, Douglas Park, big park on the west side off uh, by Ogden. Park. It's a great park. And uh, there were three guys set up with a big sign, and they were part of the Black Hebrew Israelite movement. Have you ever interacted with? I have not. I've folks? heard a little bit about they it. They kind of mapped the 12 tribe, tribes of Israel onto different nationalities. Yeah. And they have a sign that shows how each tribe connects to each nationality. On the other sign, you have these, um, I guess, demonic tribes. One of them is the white men. So, because I just wanted some pain, because I just decided to walk on up and just ask a question. Because I'm, I'm genuinely interested. I see a lot of this on the west side of the city. Uh, and I don't understand it. Um, but I kept on asking questions. And um, the conversation got very loud. Um, to, to the point where I, I, I think I was being, yeah, I was being yelled at a lot. But I just was trying to, trying to ask questions, ask questions. And, and I was, I'm truly curious. I want to understand but the posture um, where they were opening up the Bible and kind of proof texting to me, to me stuff, even though I wasn't asking about the Bible, it, it, it just turned me off quite a bit. Well, you know, uh, there's a lot of this going on on all sides, okay? It goes without saying. White evangelical Christians have had their apologetics lined up and ready for, you know, launching. Uh yeah. And, uh, of course, there's various other groups. Uh, I'm not going to mention any others, but like five or six just come to mind sure. in terms of the defensive and coercive posture that they're out to prove you wrong yeah. and them right. And they think you're going to get saved out of that. I know. I know. Yeah. And I, I, think, I think they were recording it, too. So it might be on Facebook somewhere. But when I walked away, I, th I, I thought to myself about Kurt Cameron. I was like, oh, this, this is really familiar. It feels like I was invited in. Well, I walked into it, let's be honest. I, I guess I was just in the mood for it. Uh, and then, you know, I, I'm kind of made out to be uh, this, you know, ignorant guy who is demolished by their arguments and their proof texting of scripture. So I will tell you, on this end, I didn't find it very effective. Okay, but, but um, forgive me for bringing this up. And mm -hmm. folks, uh, please give me grace on this. I thought you were going to throw some reformed people under the bus. <laughs> no, because I, 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 I know good reformed people. Yeah, there's a difference between if you're like Piperian or Kyperian. You know, it, it, it actually it makes I a didn't big even difference. Know Piperian was a phrase. Was yeah, a word. Th that's how people in the CRC refer to like the reformed bros who are kind of like Baptists and leaning and on Twitter kind of flexing their muscles. Uh, th th there's a distinction in the reform camp. But I, and I understand your differences with the Kyperian framework, and I had those disagreements too. So I live as a conflicted man on the inside. 
but I know a lot of good reformed folks who um, know how to do apologetics in an honest and loving way. All right. So, by the way, I mean, by nature, Anabaptist types like me yeah. believe in the nonviolent power of the Holy Spirit to work, aid, convict, bring people to Jesus. Yeah. Reformed people? I don't know. You got to be careful. I know reformed people who believe that. <clears throat> reformed people? There's some power issues with reformed theology. I'm sorry. And it's not only. Oh, yeah. Oh, I agree with that 100%. But when it comes to, the, let's just say, one on one evangelism, I think the two are yeah, overlapping hey, quite hey, a bit. Hey, <clears throat> if, I, if, I know. Reformed I, I, I know has power going. issues here, uh -huh. here, and here. It's probably going to have power issues here. If it's got power issues yeah, in can. business, of, of the course. structure of government, the structure of family and education, and I realize, folks, if you're listening and you don't know what Fitch is talking about, my, my main point is not to teach you on how Kuiper structures church and culture relationship, sure. but to say if they got power issues over here, you're not going to be able to turn them off suddenly when you become an evangelist. Well, I actually don't know. I think a lot of people who are Kuiperian would say there's different spheres and you kind of have to operate differently in those different spheres. You're not going to operate the same way in your business as you are your marriage. I. I think you're too monolithic as you're reading power across. Okay, there he goes, throwing a word that I used earlier. Yeah, that's what I did. That's it. Me. This is what happened. I think it's just lacking some nuance. That's all I'm saying. All right. Uh, folks. Uh, this is not how you thought this podcast was going to go. No, I actually love the way this okay, podcast good. is going. And I just want to say I humbly repent of my monolithic <laughs> lack of nuance <laughs> and shall try harder to be not so hegemonic and all sweeping in my statements. Okay. Folks, the last point, okay, my first point was not mm -hmm. culture, big C, singular. Yep, I agree. Culture is plural. I'm with you. Little C. My second point was it's all about posture. And by the way, yep, I, before I'm on board. we go on to the last point, I'm not saying Tim Keller's trying to teach people a certain posture. Mm -hmm. I worry that that posture is built into That's fair. the very discipline of yep. apologetics. Okay. And then lastly, embodied witness which is really the whole point in the first place that any apologetics that engages a culture for the gospel in what you know keller center and i call post christendom it's got to be displayed it's got to be put on display in a person's life or that community's life as lived and uh, this gets to your kirk cameron and comment and your comment about the Douglas Park incident, mm -hmm. no one gets argued into the kingdom. Yeah, We become a Christian basically by having our lives jarred by the witness of a person's life. And so out of that comes the disruption that makes possible the proclaiming of the gospel. And so what I worry is, I mean, I'm not blaming, certainly not blaming Tim Keller for you know, calling out for, for the, the posture in our culture. This gets to my second point. Mm -hmm. Has been, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to argue and defend and acquire power through government mainly or Donald Trump mainly or whatever it might be mainly to enforce my political and or cultural beliefs about morality and yeah. on people. And... And we forget that the way God's going to change the world is through the witness of the kingdom mm -hmm. before a watching world. And I'm not blaming, I'm, Tim Keller's called out 
you know, Christians for being hypocrites and, and Christian nationalism and all that stuff. But I worry that if you're going to create a center for apologetics, you might, it might take our focus off of discipleship and embodied witness. And I think that's where the focus needs to be. Well, yeah. But. So you're agreeing with my third. Well, point. yeah. I mean, I, th I still think there's a place for evangelism. And I think you agree Wait. with that too. I do, because I'm not... You're, you're saying that apologetics sits better in discipleship than in evangelism. Could you repeat that? This is perfect. We could have stopped this podcast an hour ago <laughs> if you had just said that at the beginning. What was that? Apologetics is meant for discipleship, not for evangelism. Exactly. And you said that nobody, nobody gets argued into the kingdom. I agree with that, but people do get persuaded into the kingdom. And we see that through the witness of scripture yeah, and the early church but and what? even now. But not through apologetics. They get persuaded through the witness of somebody's life and the proclamation that Jesus is Lord and he's coming and he's, yeah. and he's changing the world. And he's changing your life and he's taking this world somewhere. There's no apologetic for what I just said. There's no apologetic for the gospel of Jesus Christ has died, risen, sits as Lord of the world, bringing in his kingdom through forgiveness, reconciliation, renewal of all things. Yes. There's no and apologetic for that. And people get converted through signs and miracles, right? Now you're in my camp. Holiness, Pentecost. No, I, I'm just, I'm just in the Bible. You know, <laughs> I'm sorry, but you, you don't, you don't get a corner on the Bible, hey, Dave. Reformed people have problems with uh, <laughs> with Acts, the, the Book Holy, of Acts, Holy Spirit. Well, I think a lot of people have problems with the Holy Spirit. Supernatural manifestation. Something I learned yesterday is that the Black Hebrew Israelites also have a problem with the Holy Spirit. So. They don't believe in the Holy okay. Spirit. You got to quit throwing people I, under the bus. I was just trying to wrap it up there. Okay. Yeah. Uh, folks, you can see if you're interested in more kind of clearer thought mm -hmm. on this problem of apologetics as provoked by Tim Keller's center, which by the way, we want to encourage it and bless it. Wish oh. it well, even though we think it's wrong. Uh, you think it's wrong. <laughs> I'm more charitable towards it. <laughs> I'm more charitable towards it if we weren't in an antagonistic relationship on this podcast. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Okay, just kidding, folks. It's all just in good fun. Uh, but you can you can see that on my new Substack, Fitch's Provocations. The title of that piece is Keller Center for Apologetics. At least change the name. That was the title. <laughs> Color Center for Apologetics, at least change the name. And what was the name that we settled, for, settled on for? I think you said Keller Center for Embodied Witness. What a great name. Yeah. Folks, that's it for today's podcast. I had a really good time. I wish Mike Moore wouldn't talk so much all the time. Yeah. I dominate just... the podcast. <laughs> you know. It's my reputation. <laughs> but uh, we enjoyed it. If you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed it, Give us a review on, mm -hmm. on platform. You've changed the platforms that we're on, haven't you? Uh, yeah, I mean, we went back on an old platform that we left a while ago. Okay, we're not going to bring that up. <laughs> Whoops. Uh, that, that strategy didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we, we need to go back on, hurry. <laughs> but uh, anyways, we hope you give us a good review. We need good reviews. Spread the word about our podcast. We love doing this. We love being on it. We try to do it twice a month. Yes. And so we'll see you next time. It's Mike Moore and Dave Fitch over and out.